Hi, I'm Richard Cloutier. It's Decision Manitoba 2019, the podcast. As the election campaign winds down, Global News' Brittany Greenslade tells us about some of the problems that we've encountered at Winnipeg emergency rooms, and the word being used overwhelmed. Yeah, Richard, that's what we're hearing from our sources who were inside these hospitals, doctors who were trying to treat patients last night. We're talking about the Health Sciences Centre, St. Boniface and the Grace. Now, it started with Health Sciences Centre and St. Boniface ERs who were both put on redirect at the same time. Now, this meant all of those ambulances were being sent to the Grace Hospital, quickly filling up that hospital, overwhelming staff there. It also had to go on redirect. Now, this is coming straight from doctors who were working inside these ERs and hospitals around the city yesterday. We're told wait times were through the roof. Patients were not being triaged at safe levels. Now, we reached out to Shared Health and the WRHA who have said this was a technology project problem. Cytrex, which is the system they use that doctors and nurses can bring up medical records of patients, can input uh, what's happening so that they don't need to do it manually. We're forced to do everything manually last night. Now, one doctor says this doesn't happen often. There were a few hiccups that they've seen when the system was brought in years ago. But when it does happen, it's catastrophic. According to this doctor, though, this was not just a technology problem. The technology problem amped up and amplified what is a problem they've been seeing on a lot of days in these hospitals. One doctor telling us, quote, it's an absolute shit show. My source is telling me the exact same thing, really exasperated at St. Boniface General Hospital. Yeah, we're being told uh, that critically ill patients are being treated and assessed in chairs at times. And one doctor that we talked to said, you know, this is only the beginning. Come flu season, according to this doctor, the system will be pushed to the brink of failure. They say the system has failed, people will be hurt, and it's only a matter of time. Now, these are quotes directly from doctors, directly from physicians who are treating patients around Winnipeg right now. Now, we did speak to one other doctor who said, you know, we're not blaming the the current government. They wanted to come out and say that. They said a mess was inherited. But what this doctor said to us was that, you know what, when we hear everything's going well, the transition's going well, wait times are down, this doctor says, quote, it's a blatant lie. And that's the one thing that I think is really interesting is they're not blaming a specific party. This doctor says there needed to be reform. But the way it's happening and the way it's playing out is dangerous. All right, Global's Brittany Greenslade. Let's get to our panel. Curtis Brown of Probe Research. Bonnie Staples' line is with Changemakers. Back in the film and government days in the late 1990s, she was part of the communications team there, heading up the communications team. So she's looked at crisis situations before. And when you're talking about hospitals and ERs, Bonnie, that's generally red flags in government when something goes wrong in a hospital, right? Absolutely. So how do you deal with that such late time in the campaign? Does it make a difference? I think um, it's too late to bite really hard. I think, though, that it just raises the specter again that, you know, healthcare, there are problems. One of the things, though, that I, I, I do believe is it hasn't helped Wob as much as it could have, given he didn't have any new solutions. It was basically like back to the future. So people didn't like it before. They might lock, might not like it now, but they need something new. They know we need to move forward. Did that moniker stick as far as the progressive conservatives labeling the NDP as saying, you don't really have any new ideas, you're just going to throw money at it. You tried that for 15 years and it didn't work. 
Probably to a point. We know from our polling that healthcare is the issue that voters are most concerned about by a wide margin. The thing is, and that cuts across everyone across the province, the thing is, I do agree with Bonnie, it is really relatively in the campaign. If it's something where it was sustained and people were thinking about it more over a few weeks and, and concerned about some of these issues, you might start to see some see some movement. Uh, but I also think that the healthcare, the healthcare piece, even though it's a defensive thing for the Tories, they... They do that. They they tie it back to that uh, issue of, of well, you you had the opportunity to fix this. It was actually worse. Be patient. We're making it better. And that is kind of their core mission message. And it does really play to I think voters who are very concerned about affordability and and government getting its finances under control. Weeks ago, we spoke about the fact that the NDP to get those seats that they lost to the Progressive Conservatives back in 2016 to get those seats back that they had to do well in the Concordia in Seven Oaks area. Have they done well enough to be able to take those seats back from the Tories? It's it's still an open question. I think they're they're quite competitive in those areas. And you know, one of the things that's interesting from our polling is that healthcare concern about healthcare doesn't spike a whole pile extra in those areas. It is it's it's across the board. And and it's one of those things I thought maybe we might see that if that's something that, that's going to end up moving votes towards the NDP and Northeast Winnipeg and also in the Seven Oaks uh, uh, Maples area where uh, where some of those seats are are somewhat competitive. I'm I'm not sure. I mean that, that is definitely. I mean for for the NDP to really make gains in the city, it's it's definitely those two areas. But then also I think there's a band of other seats in South Winnipeg that are you know maybe where healthcare is less of an urgent issue, but yet nonetheless it's an area where people still care about it. You know places like Saint Vital, Southdale, uh, and then I guess Saint James and West Winnipeg. So those are the ones that really I think we're watching. And those are always been and always will be those um, swing ridings that can swing depending on the issue, the personality, the leader, etc. And while both Wab Canoe of the NDP and Brian Pallister, the progressive conservatives, have had what we describe as high negatives in the sense that not too many people always necessarily like them, Pallister went on with, with us in, in the interview and basically said, you know, I'm kind of the tough love premier. I'm doing the stuff that needs to be done. You may not like it, but you're going to appreciate that. Does that work, Bonnie? Yeah, I think it's a smart approach. I mean, you try and play, you know, if some if you've got a weakness, play to how you're going to overcome it and make it a strength. And he talks about, you know, I don't want to be popular, I want to do what's right. And I know people know that there's been, you know, chaos in healthcare for a long time. No one's happy with it, but no one's happy with it across across the country. So if someone comes on and says they have a plan, I think voters at least this time are still willing to give people a chance to fix it. How long that'll last for, I don't know. Wab Canoe said he's the anti-Brian Pallister, that he's willing to listen to people. But he's been, and the party has been peppered with those ads from the progressive conservatives relentlessly. So, I, I, you know, and we always say we don't like negative campaign ads, but boy, do they work. And people are still talking about those ads. That's why there's negative campaigning, because they work. And I think, like I have, I've said before, you know, you watch what's happening in the States, and I think that has a way of creeping up on us. We're always, you know, we, we have a higher belt line for that kind of stuff, but it's creeping in. And just before we talk about the Liberals here, Pallister has said the one TV debate, that's it. And you said that's too bad. There might be a price to be paid on that. I don't think so. I don't think so at all. I think strategically they decided, you know what, we're going to do the one debate and that's it. And it wasn't a very good debate, I think, at all. There was a lot of crosstalk. There wasn't a whole lot accomplished. And and frankly, um, I got more answers in one-on-one interviews with the three than you get in those debates. So 
Pallister didn't lose in that regard at all. No, I think it was uh, very smart on the part of the campaign to say, we'll do one. That's it. We're not doing any more. Richard, I remember they take up so much time. They take up so much energy. And it's usually by special interest groups who've already determined the agenda. So on this one, kudos to David McLaughlin. I thought it was brilliant. The liberals really haven't gained a lot of traction at all. They've, you know, they've been out with policy pronouncements, very thick policy pronouncements, but nobody seems to have been able to connect with their leader, Dougal Lamont. Well, they're in the mix. I mean, our polling shows about, you know, one in five Manitobans are, were saying at the time that they were going to vote for them. And Dougal actually had relatively high uh, approval ratings, certainly compared to Wab Canoe and Brian Pallister, who had net negative ones. Uh, but yeah, I, I sort of do wonder if, if they've been able to take off enough. Uh, they don't have the lift that from the federal liberals because, you know, we see that they're not as popular as they once were. And, and uh, yeah, I wonder. But at the same time, you know, if, if there are some voters out there who are a little bit... Um, you know, perhaps they're you know not looking to go back to the NDP. They're not super happy with Brian Pallister, the direction things are going. They're certainly going to be considering them pretty carefully. And I think the NDP. I'm actually surprised that they haven't, as a strategy, really tried to knock the Liberals back and talk more about how really they're the only progressive choice. Because them, the, you know, the NDP Liberals and the Greens are all uh, that anti-Pallister, anti-PC vote is so split right now. It just benefits the progressive conservatives, even with a relatively unpopular leader. Well, I was surprised that the NDP or Wab Canoe didn't run a, a campaign like Joe Biden is running. He's out there telling everybody, I'm the only one who can beat Trump. So forget about the others. Vote for me. If I was Wab Canoe, that's what I would have been going on and shut that liberal vote down. A high liberal vote means good stuff for Tories. Greens, maybe one seat? Maybe the uh, you know the the green polling isn't that high province wide. The problem is it's not concentrated in any particular area. I mean, yeah, they they do have a shot at Wolseley. The problem with Wolseley is that the the boundaries have changed, so it now takes in more of the West End, which makes it tougher for them. But the other thing is too, and again, I think this goes back to you know that whole message of like who if if you if you're not happy with Brian Pallister, who are you going to vote for? And I, I don't think this has been talked about at a at a broad campaign level, but certainly I hear on the ground. It sounds like within Wolseley and some of those seats like that where the Greens or the Liberals may be a threat, that seems to be the message I think the NDP has is that we're going to be the ones who you know stand up to Brian Ballister and, and be a strong opposition. A little bit more people, a few more people voting in the advance polls than last time around. There's a real emphasis on that. That does show the ground game because the parties really try to get the identified vote out early so they can get that in the bank. But that's not necessarily an indication that we're going to have a high turnout on Tuesday, is it? No. No. It it seems to go up in every election as parties become more sophisticated about getting those voters out. And also, frankly, just it's convenient for people uh, and they make it more convenient all the time for people to do it in all kinds of, I mean, you can vote at the airport, you can vote at all kinds of places. And that's, that's what, that's, I think what that means. I don't think it's an indicator. And, and I would, I would suspect that just given the timing of the election and the issues and the fact that probably a lot of people think that it's going to turn out the way, uh, a certain way that uh, turnout will probably be lower than it was in two to three years ago. And that was 56% three years ago. So lower than that, I- I'm happy that half the voters might be out there, the eligible voters, and and we'll see on on Tuesday. So, Bonnie, few days left. What happens this weekend and Monday before E-Day? Uh, it's cautious, right? If you're the front lead, if you're the front runner, you make sure you're running error-free. You're up, you're meeting all your constituents, you're keeping things happy, you're not making any more policy announcements, and you're you're just getting out your vote. 
Yeah, exactly. It's going to be for all the parties just trying to pull as much vote as they can between now and Tuesday and get as many people, identify as many supporters as they can, make sure they go vote on Tuesday. That's the name of the game from here on out. Curtis Brown of Probe Research. Bonnie Staples-Lyon of Changemakers. Thank you both for joining us. I'm Richard Cloutier. Thank you so very much for listening to the Decision Manitoba 2019 podcast. 